Welcome to the 82nd episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. And I'm Jack Neely. We are here to talk about the practical side of operations work. This week, we're talking about the analog tools we use to supplement our digital lives. So I kind of have a thing for EDC. What is EDC exactly? Everyday carry. The stuff that's inside your pockets that you live in today's society always having. A lot of the folks that do EDC stuff tend towards like a go bag or an action bag or a more militaristic thing. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking more about the the bag you have that when you walk out the door with your laptop in it or your iPad or whatever it is you take with you, you've got all the stuff you need in it, um, as well as some of the other tools we'll get to a little bit later. And Yeah, my goal is definitely to function in society as an IT person and to be able to do my job and do my job from any location. So, of course, this starts with the choice of bag. And I think you and I, Jack, have slightly different opinions on the the brand that we prefer. Um, I'll let you start. Bags are awfully personal thing. The bag I carry is an in-case icon backpack, which I have an older model than what's currently available. But those bags are really, really highly recommended. Um, they're in the show notes. They're really well-reviewed. Um, don't pay the in-case price for them. Buy them off of Amazon. But it's a backpack that looks like any other backpack that you might see walking down the subway in a city and safely carries my laptop, all of my EDC stuff, and it is my tech bag. If I'm traveling, I don't worry about picking up my chargers, my cell phone, whatever. I just grab my tech bag. If I'm going to work, I just grab my tech bag. If I'm going on site to visit my client, just grab my tech bag and go. And I similarly agree with the the nature and the purpose, but I have been using crumpler bags for a long time. I, I've dabbled in photography and crumpler makes a, a wide array of interesting bags with kind of silly names. But they messenger are, bag people. Well, I have a backpack and I have a messenger bag. Um, my current messenger bag is the $7 million home is the name of the bag. And the backpack Does it really is really cost $7 million. No. And the backpack is the Farmer's Double. And I got the Farmer's Double in 2002. And it's just now starting to wear out the bottom of the the foam pads on the back. Wow, that's a good bag. 18 years. Yeah. 18 years on a bag. It's These bags are ridiculously overbuilt. Um, they're all soft padded because most of the people who are using them are doing camera stuff in them but they have padded laptop sleeves as well. So they have all these little organizing divider things you can move in and out to ideally put lenses and flashes and whatnot with them. But I find it's great for my headphones or the chargers or the cables or the little pockets to stuff other things. And for memory cards, I use them for all kinds of little adapters and things. Yeah, and looking for a bag that has some organization. Yes, that of is crucial. Some variety. If it's just a couple pockets and a laptop sleeve, that's not going to cut it. You also want to look at waterproofness and weatherproofness. Um, ideally, something that you can set down on a damp bench somewhere in a city, or you can you get a little bit of light rain. I'm not, I'm not talking about a downpour, but if there's a bit of rain somewhere, you don't want to be immediately worried about the safety and the sanctity of your laptop and your notes and all the other things inside the bag. Yep, your bag should definitely have some level of water resistance. And the Icon bag, I can go out in the rain... I mean, clearly I can't leave it in a puddle, but I can go out in the rain 
and from the car to the office, from the subway to the building downtown in San Francisco, and not worry about the contents of my bag. So we'll throw links into the show notes for both of these, um, ideally to the manufacturer's pages, because Amazon charges ridiculous, ridiculous prices for crumpler bags. It's an Australian company, and so getting them here is a little bit interesting at times, but they're really good. One thing I want to talk about in the area of bags, I really like organizer things. There are several bags inside my bag, um, but one thing I fell down at one point uh, was the allure of the saddleback leather bags. I do like a good leather bag. Those are great bags. They're really well overbuilt. They'll last you a lifetime. They're awesome. They make really bad tech bags. <laughs> what in particular about the bag is so bad for doing tech stuff? There's not too much organization built into the bags. There's some. Not a great deal. So you have to be pretty careful about how you organize things in. The uh, messenger bag that I had didn't have a separate pocket for, or didn't have a separate divider for the laptop. My laptop fit, my other things fit in there, but what was horrible? Going through the airport, having to take out my laptop, and everything rearranged itself in the bag, and I couldn't get the laptop back in. And, yeah, so I really like the bag. It's an awesome bag but as far as having enough organization for all the little components that make up my tech bag yeah a good nylon bag with organizational stuff in it so it's where to go if you find yourself with a, a bag that you really like that doesn't have a padded sleeve um for a number of years i carried my laptops in a neoprene kind of uh almost like a wetsuit for the laptop that had a, a zippered outside cover and they were built to the size of the standard IBM ThinkPads and uh, MacBooks and whatever else of the day. And it gave you a nice sense of padding and comfort around your laptop, especially if the bag you have isn't designed specifically to hold the laptop. Um, and I'll try to find an example and throw it into the show notes as well. They're not super expensive. I want to say they're 25, 30 bucks at most. And it can give you that extra bit of comfort knowing that, hey, I've got more padding on my laptop because that's usually the most expensive thing in your bag. And in a bag like the Saddleback, that's probably what you want to do. It is kind of a hassle, though, when you are, you're at the client site, you're at the coffee shop, and you get your bag out, and then you get your laptop, you get your laptop wetsuit out, and then you take your laptop out of its wetsuit, and you know, <laughs> people start wondering if it's, if it's a clown car. But it works. Um, so in the bag, apart from your laptop and your iPad and whatever other um, work device you have in there, I generally carry adapters for mini display port and USB-C to all common video formats. So I have um, HDMI, full-size display port, mini display port. I used to have a VGA adapter, but I haven't used it in so long that I've I've stopped carrying that one. Um, I've got ah, one VGA. Um, I even have the old days. I even have the crazy um, Lightning to HDMI with power pass through that Belkin makes. So it's a big ugly adapter that allows you to plug in a lightning cable to the bottom of your iPad or your iPhone and plug it, plug your projector or your TV into an HDMI port and still power your phone. So it doesn't, you're not burning your battery down just trying to display something. This man can give a presentation with any Apple device. I've been burned so many times in so many different places by not having the right connector or not having the right cable or not having the right. And so I just carry them all. 
I also carry a pair of USB-C to USB-A adapters. I carry a pair of um, USB th- USB 3 to Ethernet and USB-C to Ethernet adapters just because Wi-Fi doesn't always work and that's a good way to do it. And I have chargers for every device that I own, which means I'm bringing a laptop charger, a USB-C charger, a lightning charger, and an Apple Watch charger, which is frustrating. And I, I wish I wasn't carrying quite so many of those. Quite so many chargers. But I, I want to make sure that I always have chargers for everything I do. Oh, and I also carry a handful of those LiPo USB battery bank things. Because, you know, you're at a conference and there's not a convenient power strip nearby. And what are you going to do? So I just I just keep extra batteries with me, just in case. Other than my laptop, the most important thing in my EDC bag is my notebook. I don't like taking notes on a computer. I never have. And I keep being tempted to make a digital system of note-taking somehow, or use standard note or some other Evernote clone or whatever. But I want all my notes in plain text. And it, it just doesn't work for me to do them in digital fo- format. And being able to take out a pencil, a wood case pencil, with my notebook and jot down the couple things that stuck out to me about that presentation or about that speaker or sit down and start to sketch out a design for a problem is really sort of freeing for my for my brain. It's how my brain would much rather function. There are things I can represent in the notebook with a few pencil marks that I have no idea how to type into my keyboard. I like notebooks as well, but for a very different reason. I find that if I'm, especially at a conference, but also if I'm at, um, if I'm doing work at a client site or something else or a coffee shop, if I have a laptop open, I will get distracted by Slack or something else instead of paying attention to the presentation or the speaker or whatever's going on. Oh yeah. If the laptop's open, I'm not paying attention to the presentation. I'm not paying attention to that meeting. If I'm in a meeting, I'm taking notes with pencil and paper. Yeah. And I also don't like pencils. So I have leather bound notebooks that I bring with me. I prefer dotted grid personally, and I bring zebra F301 um, ballpoint pens and I have Pigma Micron, the 005s of really tiny fine liners. I like the feel of the Pigmas a lot more, but the Zebras are more practical in some ways, so it's sort of a balancing act that I play there. The Zebra F301 is a really nice pin. It's all metallic. It's well-built. takes standard uh, refills. I carry them as well. They're not fancy, but they're reliable. They get the job done. They feel good in your hand. It's a good pen. They're not expensive. Um, the Zebra F uh, excuse me, the Zebra M301 is the mechanical pencil in that same line, um, which I don't think I have one in my bag, but I really wish I did. Yeah, I mean, I want to say the Zebras are 2 or $3 a piece at most, so they're, they're not huge I think you can get the set on Amazon for like 12 bucks for the, with both the pencil and the pen. And if you buy a five-pack of the Pigmas, I want to say a five-pack is 10 or 12 bucks. They're They're not super pricey. Um, like an art store, they're going to be probably two or three dollars a piece as well, and that can run you a little more um, as as it adds up. But I just I find having a very consistent ink flow coming out of the tip of my pen to be very handy, and I'm not distracted as much I by don't like a scratchy pen. Oh, that yeah. drives me nuts. I actually really prefer to use a wood cased pencil. Oddly enough, why the eraser? Every wood cased pencil has the eraser on the top. 
if you're dealing with the, the zebra mechanical pen pencils, any other mechanical pencil, there's usually any really itty bitty teeny tiny eraser hidden inside the contraption somewhere, and it's a pain in the butt to get to. Um, keeping them sharp requires a good pencil sharpener, which is easy to come by, but they stay sharp in my bag and don't usually break on me. And you can also get uh, tips for your wood case pencils that will protect the point as well. Um, but really, having a good eraser, and it doesn't take much to you to find wood case pencils with good erasers. Um, I'm going to put in the show notes the Golden Bear pencils, which are cheap everyday wood case pencils made of cedar, made in the USA. Those are really some of the best pencils that you can get without spending a fortune. And I find that when I'm especially in a conference taking notes on a presentation, that I don't have time to go back and erase something that was wrong. I just strike through and I keep on going. So that, yeah, I do I, that too. <laughs> I kind of moved away from pencils a long time ago because I like the feel of, of pens better, but to each his own. I've used some of the drafting mechanical pencils, and I usually find that they're a pretty good quality and work really well, which are kind of in the same line. But yeah, I've learned as I age that the more I, you know, sort of research, you know, what pens or pencils or books that I want to use, I will naturally gravitate to, you know, the, the, the nicest, sexiest, fanciest pen or pencil or book or, or bag that I can find. And that might be really nice, but really what I'm doing is I'm paying way too much for my product. And because that product is so hyper-focused in some specific, you know, made of leather or bolt action mechanical pencil sort of way, there are lots of other features that that product has lost along the way. So it doesn't end up being a general tool. It ends up being something very specific that's missing lots of features that I would rather have. So usually staying in a reasonable price market means I have tools that are flexible and usable. The other advantage of using reasonably priced tools is they're easy to find. So if you're out somewhere and you drop your pen down the gutter, well, you're not dropping a $40 pen, you're dropping a $2 pen and you just walk over to the closest art supply store or wherever it is or office supply store and you pick up another one of exactly the thing you want. And at 2 or $3 a piece, hey, it's a cup of coffee. It's not a big deal. Um, I do spend a little bit. The zebra pens and pencils are easily available, and they're great tools. Yeah, I do spend a little bit more money than I probably should on my notebooks at this point. Um, I have fallen into the dotted grid category, um, bullet journals, some people call them, but the Lectorm 1917 Medium A5 dotted hardcover notebook um, is my current go-to. It uses a heavier weight paper than a lot of people do, so inks don't bleed through it quite as much. I like the feel. It's acid-free, and I know that I can get more of them, so they're going to be the same size on the shelf when I'm done with them, and I've kind of filled them up and moved on to the next one. Yeah, so, so you like having the same-sized book, yes, the same brand, and the same color all along your shelf. Well, and that's part of the reason I'm using one that's A5. So if, for listeners who are not familiar with European um, paper sizing, A4 is about is, is roughly letter size in the U.S., and if you fold, you fold it um, in half lengthwise, you get you fold A4 in half lengthwise, you get A5, and you can get A6 by folding in again and again and again. So A5 is a standard paper size everywhere except for the U.S. And having like the metric system, 
all the paper sizes in Europe also make a whole hell of a lot more sense than what we have. Exactly. So I know that even if I can't get this particular notebook again, it's just A5. And so I just need to find another A5 notebook that I like. So that is my that is my strong preference right now. I used to use the moleskin notebooks. Um, the medium-esque size, which is similar to the A5, but, you know, it's the U.S. American equivalent. I really liked those books. I went through a bunch of them. And then I realized that those books were getting more and more and more expensive and they didn't feel as nice the paper wasn't as nice as they used to be and so eventually i was like wait a minute why am i paying twenty dollars for a single notebook it's paper and i ended up doing some research and i found the the lecterns um among other things and even the the lecterns can be cheaper than the moleskins at this point the notebook I like now is is twenty bucks a piece, unfortunately, and that that's more than I want to pay. But I go through two or three a year, and yeah, you go about two a year. It's fine. But I discovered uh, the Book Factory online a while back, which is a manufacturer of books, usually for engineering and scientific disciplines, uh, so that you can log your scientific work as you do research or work on inventions or otherwise need to document your work as you proceed from day to day. And a bunch of universities and a bunch of businesses use these books and they buy them in bulk. And they're really high quality, thick paper, acid-free, made in the U.S. um, material. And they're affordable. So I've actually started buying my normal notebooks from them. Um, Which one am I buying now? Let me go clicky click. Do they make a medium sized notebook? They do, and they're twelve dollars and ninety nine cents. It's a six inch by eight inch, one hundred sixty eight ruled page. I usually prefer ruled. They're also a uh, tan ish color, which I find so much nicer on my eyes than you know bright white paper. And at thirteen bucks for a hardbound Smithsonian. Uh, notebook, you really can't beat it. Um, I would encourage folks to buy direct from Book Factory, which means you have to pay shipping. But if you buy two or three or four of the notebooks at a time, you still come out way ahead of of the moleskins in price and in quality. You can find these on Amazon as well, but I swear they sell the, the books that didn't pass QA on Amazon. <laughs> So the rest of my EDC bag, so before the episode started, I sort of just dumped it out on the floor and went through all the things that I had in it. What's in your um, pockets? I keep a pocket knife. I don't, not a multi-tool. I, like, I have a spider code that I, I handle. Um, I like a single folding straight blade, no serrations. I don't like multi-tools. I find them too fiddly. They're hard to sharpen. They're hard to keep track of the bits. I keep... Most of the bits are usually pretty useless. Yeah. I have a pair of noise-canceling headphones in a case that goes into my bag. I have um, some extra-sized nylon zip ties for either cable management or quickly securing something back together if, if a bag strap breaks or whatever else. Um, I have a pair of micro, microfiber cloths, and I have a stack of blank index cards. And the blank index cards can be handy. Yes, especially when you are at a conference and somebody says, oh, I don't have business cards. Well, you can just hand them a blank index card, and they can write on that, and it's very easy, and there's no, there's no pressure there. Um, I also find it a, a good size to take notes on in terms of you're in a meeting and you want to 
want to give somebody a, a piece of paper and don't, don't want to tear something out of your notebook, well, an index card is usually large enough to get an idea across or to capture a quick diagram of something without having to carry a huge amount of loose paper, which never works out for me. And the best part is you want to keep that three by five note card. I just stick it in my, in my notebook. Yeah. The lecterms have um, little, a little folio in the back that you can slide extra paper into. And so and even you can... if you don't have the folio, they stick really nicely inside the, the pages of most books this size. And as long as you're taking good care of your book, they're going to stay there. Yep. And I also have two extra wall warts for you, like US power to USB A, and I have an extra laptop um, power supply. And that's my bag. That's what I carry with me when I walk out the door. So, yeah, what's in my bag? Two pins, two pencils, maybe more pencils. Um, clearly the laptop. I usually keep a book factory notebook in the six by eight inch size. And I also usually keep a larger one, which I find easier to make designs in. I don't use that book as much, but it's, it's larger form factor. And when I'm thinking about a larger design, a larger flow in my head, sometimes having larger paper works. Um, I have a primary headset, USB headset, and like three backup headsets. The thing that that really keeps me up at night is not having a headset. Um, I've got chargers for the laptop, chargers for my cell phone. Usually that works out well for me. Um, anything else I might have around, I can charge or take advantage of the battery in the laptop usually. First aid, um, especially headache and other, you know, hangover treatment medicine. Um because no telling what you've done at that conference or what you feel the next morning or what meeting you've just bent through and beat your head on the f table, um, having some basic first aid for boo-boos and, and headache and pain relief has, yeah, saved me a lot. Eraser sharpeners. I keep an e-reader. Not only does that have some books for fun, it also has some Manning books and some O'Reilly books loaded up on there. So I, I don't usually carry around these big, thick books if I don't have to. The most important dongle I use is my Ethernet dongle. That I keep that in the front of my bag. Various USB converters. Business cards. Something odd is my RPN calculator. Because if you're in the middle of something on a computer, sometimes it's nice to have a something separate to do your math on. Velcro ties. If I'm traveling, I'll stick a hat some snacks, some protein-ish snacks, perhaps another set of isolating headphones in the bag as well. And that's pretty much everything. And again, the idea is I can take that bag and plop down anywhere there's wireless and be able to work. Or work from my hotspot on my phone. Or work from the airplane. The number of times that I have used the hotspot on my phone while on public transit somewhere to get my laptop hooked up so I can SSH into something is kind of sad and impressive at the same time it is and having having the right tools with you means that you can sit down you can get comfortable you can either put your headphones on to block out the world or put some music on or whatever it is you can get in contact with other people you're never worried about your batteries running out you're never worried about did i have the right cable to do the right thing at this particular moment it's really empowering to have a a well thought out and well planned kind of go bag or edc bag so you can you can with confidence say, I'm walking out the door, I grab the bag, that's all I need to grab. And yeah, I can't speak highly enough of having a backup internet source. 
Oh, yeah. Which for me is my phone because there's no telling. You're in the middle of a coding session or a meeting or a Slack conversation and the power to your building goes out or the internet provider goes out. Or, yeah, you find yourself in an airport or some other location where you don't really want to trust the wireless that's there. So, yeah, that's usually my cell phone hotspot. Part of me wanted to talk in this episode about the the analog tools we use in our offices and not just in our bags. But I think we've gone a little bit over. We may continue this conversation <laughs> later in, in that sense because there's a whole different world of things that I have within sight of where I'm sitting right now to record this. Cause I record, I recorded my home office where I, I do most of my work and there's a bunch of little things that you can do with non things that don't boot up things that don't have, you know, an operating system on them that can make your, your life so much more pleasant at work. I had forgotten how easy and stress-free it makes me to wear a watch. I have not worn a watch in years. Asked for one for Christmas in, for Christmas of 2018 last year, and was lucky enough to get what I asked for. And it's a Seiko mechanical automatic watch. I don't have to wind it. There is no operating system. I set it once a week, and being able to have the time on my wrist saves me so much time and effort rather than digging in my pocket for my cell phone that's, you know, powered off or you have to type in your code or use your fingerprint scanner or face ID or whatever. Um, it's an automatic watch, which is not, you know, GPS accurate. But if I need GPS accurate, I've got the time to the second displayed on my computer monitor. The fact I can, you know, make sure I'm on time for meetings, get back from lunch on time, be in public and know the time and be confident about the time without my watch sending me a bazillion alerts uh, is that's been the biggest thing for me in the last year. So I went the other way. I used to carry, I used to wear a mechanical Seiko watch actually, which I really enjoyed, but I found it became increasingly inaccurate to the point where I set it every day. And then I just stopped wearing a watch for a good 10 years until I picked up an Apple watch. And I have fallen in love again with the idea of having the time on your wrist and not in your pocket, which is great. But I also use heavily the messaging and the health tracking and all the other features of it. And so I, I tolerate the charging it every night or every other night, which is extraordinarily frustrating. And really the one thing, the one real issue I have with, with the, with the product is the fact that it has a battery that you have to charge frequently. But apart from that, it is one of my favorite pieces of technology in the past couple of years, really. Now I can upgrade my watch to watch OS version. <laughs> oh, wait. Hmm. Yes. So we will do another episode soon about analog tools in the offices and not on the go. But I think that wraps it up for tonight. Please take the time to rate the show in Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory. It is the best way for new listeners to find us. Additionally, we welcome feedback about shows we've recorded or topics you'd like us to cover. Leave us a comment on the website at operations.fm. Send us your thoughts on email, feedback at operations.fm, or use at operations.fm on Twitter. And that wraps it up for the 82nd episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. And I'm Jack Neely. Thanks, and good night.
TikTok, TikTok.